Happy Independence, everyone. Independence Day, January 15th, 2023, and what a day it's been. This is the voice of the Sovereign Republic of Canada, broadcast live from our reclaimed land, and I'm your host, Kevin Anadigo Strongvoice. Well, in times of war or crisis and great celebration, my people have always been led by the sound of the bagpipes. And the pipes today filled the air in many communities across Canada as we celebrated our new republic. I was there today in one of those towns to watch the miracle that began eight years ago today when over 200 patriots gathered in Winnipeg to break the ties with the British crown and establish the dream of our ancestors, a free republic of equality, the sovereign republic of Canada. Well, I saw it come alive today. I wish you had all been there with me. It would have been very inspiring for you because it reminded me of that day that many of us occupied Holy Rosary Cathedral in Vancouver in 2008, chased the Catholic priests out the back door and turned the tables on shell killers by forcing out the truth of their genocide. Those kind of latent miracles and power that rest within all of us. I saw that sleeping giant awaken again today. Because as they say, theory is gray, but green, the eternal tree of life. Today, the bagpipes led us. It was in a town in central Canada, Kanata, and it was really a reclamation, not a protest. To celebrate the eighth anniversary of our republic, we gathered in the town square. There was over a hundred of us. We raised the flag of the republic to the sound of that, that tune, Bonnie Dundee, from the West Highlands. And to that crowd, we brought the sun and the warmth out on a cloudy day. 34 people that day took the pledge to the Kanata Republic, but even better, we took it together. We recited it together, and it was very powerful to hear all those voices united. And then those people agreed to form a local republic assembly. They only needed 12 or more people to do it, so they decided to do it. And they're going to meet a week tomorrow and start passing laws. The first one being they want to keep all their federal tax money in their community. And they've already elected their own sheriffs and approached the Mounties to help them. As a matter of fact, there was a young Mountie standing on the edge of the crowd doing his kind of monitoring thing. We went over to him and handed him flyers, and he began to read it. And he's going to go and share it with some of his other friends. Because as people may or may not know, well, you'll know if you saw our latest broadcast about this, we have cells of Republic sympathizers operating within the RCMP and the local police and even the Canadian Army. These are people who recognize the bankrupt, corrupt nature of the regime, and they're coming over. But for now, they're hidden in these sleeper cells, if you like, but they are there. And one of those guys was there today. It shows you, folks, the power of our presence when you're out there connecting with this huge groundswell that's building across the nation and really across the world. People are sick and tired, and they're looking for an alternative We saw that today bursting forth. When we're walking around after with a bullhorn talking to people, there were people coming up, especially the younger people, and taking part. They started marching with us, and they started handing out the flyers of the Republic. And lo and behold, three Native guys show up in a truck, and they said, Hey, man, we know all about you. We just took over a local Catholic church. (laughs) They told the priest to get out. There was only 18 people going in there on Sunday anyway. So they told them to get out, and now they're running the building themselves. That's exactly what we mean by reclamation, not protest. We just do it and make the change ourselves. Also, in England and America today, there were solidarity marches with us. In a, People from our Republic Alliance movement celebrated January 15th with us as well. And remembering the day in 1837, also at this time of year, when our patriots in Canada, in Upper Canada and Lower Canada, Quebec and Ontario, took up arms to try to overthrow the British crown And we stand in their tradition and spirit. So I want to just start off today by reminding us that when you show audacity, 
and you break through your fear and you take action, it's amazing what happens. And the people who come forward who have just been waiting. Because the system we're in is teetering. And it's not legitimate anymore in many eyes. And when a system loses legitimacy, it's just a matter of time before it falls. What I saw in people's eyes, it was worth fighting and dying for today. This, the sudden relief on hope that, yes, we have an option. So we learn by these kinds of actions, not just by talk, but applying the talk and making it real. I was reminded, and it's the reason I started with the bagpipes today to get that blood stirring in everybody, it was the bagpipes that also led my mother's family, the Makuit clan, when they arrived on the shores of Hudson's Bay in the winter of 1820. When they came from Scotland as the first of the Selkirk settlers to establish the Red River Settlement and eventually Winnipeg, they'd been thrown off their land by the British invaders in the West Highlands. And my Makuit ancestors arrived the very same year my Annette ancestors did on my father's side. They arrived in Ontario, Upper Canada, as refugees from persecution in England. They were Baptists, and they weren't allowed to hold services, so they came to Canada. And uh, it was that, but the land around Winnipeg that drew both of them. And we all both ended up there, both sides of the family, because it's in that freedom of space and open sky there. When you come west of the lakehead and suddenly the, the land and the sky just opens up, suddenly that gives people a sense of freedom. They've right and power to govern themselves, free of kings and landowners and popes, people telling us what to think and believe. It's that whole movement that began in the West, and you, it's no accident that that's where the Real Rebellion was in 1885. That's why all of the big political movements of change in Canada come tend to come out of the West. And interestingly, and, and not ac- accidentally, about 80% of our citizens of the Republic do not live in cities. They live in small towns and rural communities. It's that being close to the land where people sense their power and get their strength. And so it's a lesson to all of us. We build from the outside in. You know, whenever we hold meetings in cities with people, there's a much higher level of depression, demoralization, despair going on. Out in the small towns, people have a sense that, yeah, we can elect our own town council. You know, we've had people in the Republic running for local town councils and bringing in these laws. So, I mean, it's possible, and that's why we say start where you are, wherever you are, especially in the small towns. And that's, of course, in Winnipeg where our dream began in 2015, where the Republic Convention occurred. And it's leading us to new shores and new battles. Because, you know, looking back on that, and I want to share a little bit about the background for people uh, and by the way, Republic of Kanata, K-A-N-A-T-A, republicofkanata.org is the site for new listeners. Because something unseen brought us together, the 211 of us who gathered in January 15th, 2015, in that community center in North Winnipeg. It was no accident that it happened in Winnipeg. You know, the first day we honored uh, Louis Riel, we went out to his grave in St. Boniface, and a new spirit animated what we did there. We didn't hold the event to talk about setting up a new political party. It wasn't your typical political convention. We spoke not of electioneering, but of taking back our local communities, not of voting away our authority to somebody in Ottawa, but reclaiming that authority through setting up our own Republican People's Assemblies. But imagining imagining that, let alone taking those first steps, required something that unfortunately, seems to be lacking in a lot of people. And that is the ability to take responsibility and say, no, we're going to run our own affairs now. Now, that's not to say it can't change. We saw it change today. We had to lead by example, and that's how you bring people along. It's that 
5 to 10% of us willing to take action who lead the sluggish majority along in our wake. But we've got to focus on ourselves first and not worry about that 95% or what the system is doing to us. We focus on our own remnant, the uh, enlightened remnant who are going to lead the rest. But not in the leadest way. We want to bring them up to the level of the highest. That's the whole point of a republic assembly. Well, my relatives in Winnipeg, and we, when we got to Winnipeg 200 years ago from the, in the Red River Settlement, we began to intermarry with the local natives, the Oji Cree, the Ojibwe, the Anishinaabek, the Cree, and the result was the Métis Nation. My Métis relatives have a name for themselves, and that's Otipemsawak, which means the people who own themselves. And that may be a hard concept for people raised in Crown Canada to get the mind around because we're always taught to defer to some authority figure and some foreign criminally convicted monarch like Charlie Boy over there on the throne, the idiot with the crown on his head. But the idea of self-governance is within all of us. It's cellular, and it's the basis of everything we do, even if it may be treasonable by the standards of the so-called Canadian government. So, I'm reminded, too, before I move on, about that comment Mohandas Gandhi made when he was taken on the British Empire in his part of the world. He said, if we don't win our mental and spiritual independence from the British Empire, we won't have political sovereignty. We have to become self-governing within ourselves. And that's something that is a struggle for Canadians. We've never come of age. We've never had the liberating effect of a civil war or a successful revolution to break the ties, the mental ties, spiritual ties, with London and Rome. And that's the whole purpose of our movement, to do that. Nevertheless, we're seeing the many of these seeds everywhere. And I want to talk today in our anniversary show about that and about the substance of what the Republic is, what's led us here, how we go about building it, the vision, the program on the ground. And because we're already seeing many of those seeds sprouting all over. Today, the flag was raised not only in that one community I was in, but in by the latest count, 23 other communities. And that's to demonstrate that it isn't just a, a nice idea, it's actively being put into practice on the ground. Since 2015, we've passed laws in our local assemblies that banned the COVID, COVID measures in September 2020. Passed a national law saying COVID measures are unnecessary, they're illegal, and they're unhealthy. And if you try to impose it on us, it's again, you're breaking our law within the Republic. We're bound by our Republic Assembly laws. And every time we show that to a cop, that statement of the law we passed, or show our citizenship card, they don't know what to do. It's like when we started occupying the churches. They just back down. And that's because we're asserting our sovereignty. If you don't do that in another, with another jurisdiction, like a nation, you're de facto in their jurisdiction, and they know they can do whatever they want to you. So... Declaring independence happens within, but then it manifests without. You can't have a free republic without free-thinking men and women first. And so that's a lesson we continually demonstrate in everything we do. And um, we, some of the other laws we passed include we seize the federal tax money. We say we're not allowed under international law to fund a criminally convicted genocide regime like Canada and the Crown and the churches and the Vatican, who are de facto getting away with mass murder and crimes against humanity. So we're going to keep the federal tax money in our community. You don't do it as an individual. They love that. 
when you withhold taxes. They go after you as an individual, make an example of you. No, we do it as an entire group, a community. Our assembly passed this law, no more federal tax money. After all, half the federal tax money goes to pay off debts to foreign banks, not to fund hospitals or roads or schools. That comes out of local or provincial money. So we just say to hell with them. We're going to starve the bankers, feed the people. We keep the federal tax money in our community by law, by our own laws. We've also banished the Catholic, Anglican, and United Churches from our territories. That's a law, that's a principle that our indigenous allies and ourselves insist on, that we are not going to be party anymore to these mass-murdering churches that use federal tax money to get away with covering up their crimes. So they're banished. And like our native friend showed us today, they took, we're all free now. We have the warrants and the writs to take over these churches at any time we like and banish them. So that's what we're doing. So in other words, the seeds, friends, are sprouting everywhere. And we have demonstrated that as well by signing now our own treaties with the traditional indigenous elders, not the puppet government chief and council, but traditional elders of the Chilcotin, the Métis, the Cree, and the Squamish peoples. And that's relationship with the Squamish began way back in 2005 when Chief Capilano authorized me to be his legal agent and expel all of those churches from everywhere in Vancouver because they built the churches without his permission as traditional elder or CM of that area and his family. And so they're to get up. And that's one of the reasons we were able to occupy those churches without the cops doing anything because we had a legally authorized writ allowing us to do that. So, you know, when you use the law, they always back down. They just keep want to keep us stupid and ignorant and dependent and thinking that all we can do is hold protests that don't change anything. Now, we're showing how to change it on the ground. But the reality is, as a, you know, we've said before, this is happening like at the very time that the, the peril is growing all around us. But, and I don't have to reiterate to all of you, you know, what's going on in the world, but don't forget they want your eyes glued on the Internet and glued onto their version of reality so that you lose your power. We've got to turn all that off. And that's why today we issued, and you can see this at republicofkanata.org under breaking news, or murderbydecree.com under ITCC's updates. The latest update is really a call to the officials of the Crown in Canada. It's to the judges, to the members of Parliament, the senators, the government officials, the police, the soldiers... Every civil servant, we say to them, you have 30 days to nullify your oath of allegiance to, quote, King Charles and the British Crown and to the government of Canada. Nullify that and take it instead. Take your pledge to the people through our local republic assemblies and our constitution. We say, look, you're serving, and we made this appeal directly to him, and we're sending this out to people like our Mountie friend today who took the that appeal to his friends, and he said he would share it with them. And it says, look, you're liable. You're defending a genocidal regime that sold out the country to China. Every party in Parliament has authorized the Foreign Investment Protection Act, which allows China to buy up all of Canada, no limit on foreign investment, and to station their troops on Canadian soil, as they're doing all over the West Coast now. So, you know, how does a government, government, both the Tories and the Liberals, pass this? The Harper and the Trudeau governments were instrumental in the FIPA law. 
How come they weren't arrested on site for committing treason? Well, because it's institutionalized now, and the only way to get around that treason is to create a new jurisdiction where we say no, no more Crown Authority. So we're saying that to the officials. All of the cops, the soldiers, we say, come on over now, renounce your oath of allegiance to the Crown, take it to the people in their own constitution, our own republic, and that's what they have 30 days to do. Starting today, by February 15th, if they haven't done it, they are declared officially they're, they're involved in a crime against the people, and they will face punishment under the law. But even after that, if people have second thoughts, and we welcome all of the officials of the old regime into the new republic, and we say, look, we're just doing what's right and just. We're restoring the rule of law and democracy in Canada, just like we're doing all over the world in a republic alliance movement with other allied movements. And that's the basis of our whole appeal and our relationship with the people in the, in, in the institutions now. So to the rest of you, what we say is, look, if you're listening to this for the first time, do the education. Um, we urge you to go to republicofcanada.org. And there's different things in there, including a description of how to form local cell groups. That's the first step that you need to do. Because we've tried in the past, this is trial and error over the years, we've tried setting up assemblies right off the bat. You know, in people's enthusiasm, like you saw today, 34 people, they're all raring to go. They form an assembly, but then they get there and they say, well, you know, I got a lot of chores to do and I got a job and people start drifting away and their levels of commitment and understanding vary. So after a while, it tends to fall apart unless you first consolidate a core, solid core, and build up from there. That's why we urge people to form cell groups first, three people, and each of them recruit three others, and soon you've got 12, and that solid core can form an assembly. Sign a charter, form an assembly, and out of that, your own common law court, your own sheriffs, deputize the local police, you're off and running. We link that up across the country, we've got a republic. It'll take years. Our children will be struggling with this, probably, and maybe our grandchildren, but the point is, have the long-term vision. So, take that step now. In Canada, in Canada, according to a latest op- opinion poll done in 2019, 58% of Canadians want to break ties with the British Crown. They don't want Charlie Boy. They don't want the Governor General or any of these colonial, genocidal, feudal systems governing people anymore. Because, by the way, did you know the Governor General of Canada can dismiss the government tomorrow and bring in martial law? One person ruling over you, monarchy, one ruler, no thank you. of you want out of that. We've got to turn that 58% into active citizens. We have the majority. We're acting on a mandate, a democratic mandate from the majority of Canadians. And that's what you say when people criticize and and say you're breaking the law. No, we're restoring the law. You guys are breaking the law, as is quite obvious by looking around. And so another anniversary today, and in a a few minutes we're going to take a little break, and I'm going to listen to... An interview I did with um, Taho Tokawe, who is a Mohawk elder who helped us set up the Republic. He and I were outside uh, Mackenzie House, which is the, the place in downtown Toronto where William Lyon Mackenzie lived when he died. He led the Upper Canada Rebellion in 1837. So we're going to have a little, um, you know, listen in on the interview we did outside Mackenzie House in a minute. But before we do that, I want to remind you, too, that today is also another anniversary. A year ago today, if you recall, and I hope you do, and if you don't, go to murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates to January 15th, 
2022, a year ago today. Because on that day, the International Criminal Court of Justice that forced Benedict Ratzinger to resign, uh, and the 10th anniversary of that resignation is coming up, even though the old coot is pushed off to wherever child killers end up. And on that, um, to commemorate that, we the International Criminal Court of Justice brought in a new case against modern-day genocide by Big Pharma. And out of that verdict came writs that people then used to shut down the COVID distribution. We had people doing that all over in Cornwall, in, in Nice, in the south of France, all over Canada and America. People took the warrants and said, look, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, they're all committing medical genocide because we took our evidence from the residential schools and the Indian hospitals. And we showed how Pfizer was using Native kids in their experiments 50 years ago in the residential schools and hospitals. They're murderous company, and they've committed medical genocide. So we're obligated to shut down their, their drug distribution because it's the, from the avails of genocide, and it's likely committing the same thing on all of us now, as we know. So that court verdict and the writs and everything has been a great weapon in the hands of people. But there's more to it than that, because we tend to focus on that when we're talking about that case. But if you read through it, you'll notice it talks about the whole history that led to not only the founding of the Republic, but the forcing of genocide into the open. Because starting in 1994, when I pried open the lid of the stuff in Port Alberni as a United Church minister, the whole movement we built out of that came out of an initial criminal conspiracy to wipe out those of us in Port Alberni who were bringing it out. The United Church funded my wife to lead me. They had backing of the government and the churches to do that. They set up anyone who was working with me for in the case of Native people, murder, we list 15 people killed as a result of this criminal conspiracy, proven killed, like William Coombs in St. Paul's Hospital, killed by lethal injection. You all know that story, but you don't know the 14 other people who also died as a result of that. So all of that is in that case, it, that court case that you can see online. I urge you to read it. It's a great weapon because it shows you where we all came from over the last 25-plus years. This movement for a republic is a result of a, a, a long struggle of blood, sweat, and tears of some of us who forced the truth of genocide out and said, look, we can't morally be part of Canada anymore. You know, we have to break away. If we're really to be free of genocide, we have to get out of the system that caused it and bring down those institutions and arrest those people and stop the system that's continuing to commit that genocide. You just have to go to the west coast of Canada and to see how it's happening today, playing out in the systematic murder of Native people all along the liquid natural gas sites run by PetroChina. So, read that court case, and it's a very important part of our tradition that you need to hear about. That's murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. A year ago today, January 15th, my time flies. So, in this whole struggle, we look back, we look at where we've come from, and we're going to listen now to an interview I did uh, with a Mohawk elder and myself outside Mackenzie House in Toronto with a brother from CKLN Community Radio. After that, we'll be back with more. 
Word up, Word of Mouth Wednesday. We're here with a uh, guest here that we've been talking about uh, on the radio, or we've been talking with on the radio as well, uh, Kevin Annan, who's in Toronto right now, and uh, we've we've chosen a historic location here because Kevin Annan's work's been, you know, hidden from history. This is a place, uh, William McKenzie House, we're right near, that's been, uh, I guess, remembered in history. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, or what do you know anything about William Lyon McKenzie? Well, he's a spiritual brother to me and anybody who believes in sovereignty because he challenged the family compact. That was the church and uh, colonial elite that ran Upper Canada. And actually, they still run Canada. Uh, the financial oligarchies, the, uh, the crown, the churches. And because this revolution was defeated at the time, the church had absolute authority, including to run the residential schools and cause this genocide. So we're standing here, I'm standing here as a spiritual son of William Lyon Mackenzie, saying it's time to carry on the revolution he started. And we're doing that by sharing the Turo Wampum flag, which was the original flag treaty signed between our people and the indigenous nations of this land, saying we will live in equality. And we realize we can't live in equality under the crown of England. We can't live in equality under this corporate system, which says that the land is owned only by a few. And so we are reclaiming this, this moment and this space to say we have to make all of Canada sovereign land for all the people who live here. And that's really why I'm here, and this is why we're putting the Crown and the churches on trial for their genocide of Indigenous people. That was an genocide aimed at my people as well, and, uh, and that's why we have to stand together. For real, for real. Yeah, and uh, we're here, we're, we're with Kevin Anna, but we're also with uh, Tohoke Tote, who's going to tell us about, uh, well, some, some knowledge that he knows about. Well, have, you, have you ever heard of William Lyon McKenzie? Well, I can't say that I am an expert. Kevin seems to have taught me a little bit. William Lyon Mackenzie King I've studied. This is the best prime minister that we've had, the guy who wrote the Bank of Canada Act in 1934. And he is quoted in many great democracies as saying, usury, once in control, will destroy any nation. And we're getting destroyed now from it. Thanks. Well, never. we won't get into it, but William Lyon Mackenzie King, this guy's grandson. Grandson? Yeah, grandson. Yeah, his yep. grandson. Yep. Go figure, 24 years as the Prime Minister and kept yeah. the bankers from yeah. us yeah, yeah. till Trudeau. Trudeau. Justin, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> For real, yeah, and we're, uh, we're at McKenzie House, which is on Bond Street, which is actually really close to CKLN Radio, and that's where, you know, I've interviewed both of you guys on the radio, and I was wondering, you know, with uh, what's been happening um wh what are your thoughts on the situation like in in toronto with community radio and the possibilities you know that it could be shut down by the license yeah. revoked well you know i was at co-op radio for nine years and they've done the same thing there the the uh, corporate interests now can can buy up community radio and it's the same oligarchy that mckenzie was fighting it's this economic oligarchy that thinks that they have the right to control the airwaves and so we've got to keep public airwaves we've got to keep ckl on strong and community organ owned not owned by corporate interests of the government. And uh, we, that's one of our mouthpieces. So we have to fight hard to keep that uh, in the hands of the people. I agree. For real, yeah. And there's been a recent uh, uh, notice that's been sent out to all the members of CKLN with a... Uh, something about an R... The document was called R&R, &R, and I was hoping it would be, you know... Uh, you know, rest and relax, but this is uh, rules and regulations. New uh, rules and regulations are coming, and... 
Do you, uh, Kevin, I know just because you've been involved with community radio, do you have any like uh, uh, thoughts on you know what they're actually going to be doing uh, with community radio? Well, if it's anything like what happened at Vancouver Co-op Radio, they brought in the same thing. Three years ago, there was a secret deal between the staff at Co-op Radio and Jim Patterson Media Mogul Interests to basically uh, help buy up the station. They never told anybody. They violated their own rules and ethics by not telling anybody about this, this secret, secret corporate acquisition and funding. And so it sounds like... Um, you know, if it's at all like what happened in Vancouver, they bring in rules whereby, for example, the staff can't be criticized anymore. Anything that's said on the air can cause the immediate removal of a program or the cancellation of a program. I mean, this is total dictatorship. So if it's the same thing that um, Freya Zoltz was doing in Vancouver, uh, this is a, 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 a national phenomenon, and it's being organized by the feds in conjunction with corporate media interests. The corporatocracy. Yep, corporatocracy. That's, that's yep. a better word for yep. it. Right, right, and uh, what um, what what Mackenzie was trying to do, I guess, was to break away from the crown, uh, and he was trying to, you know, the family compact was connected with everything that was going on in Europe, and you know, controlled by, um, you know, people with definite connections there. Um, what what are your thoughts on uh, you know having Canada as a republic? Because I know, like Kevin, you know, you had the Republic of Canada was a uh, you know, idea or hope for the future. Uh, what, what, you know, what are your thoughts on the Republic? We, we need it. We've got to stop uh, this allegiance to false foreign jurisdictional powers that came and imposed themselves without any legitimacy here on the land and on the people here. We need to declare a republic that's federated so that all the different indigenous nations can be... And independent uh, from England. Ind independent from England. Finally. And, and corporate interests. Finally. We can federate everybody into a... A whole uh, union of, of equal nations, and I think that's what we need to do. Uh, one way we do it is yesterday we were right down the street here at all the churches demanding that they be brought to trial for their murder of in kids in residential schools, and that's what we're trying to do in London in September. And we hope that here in Toronto there will be similar actions and forums at the same time so that the survivors of these schools and others who are being harmed today can come forward and name the names, and we, we put these people on trial. And uh, we establish common law courts where we can do that. We don't trust the courts of the Crown. Admiralty uh, courts, all of them. Forget them all. We got to do corporations. We got to do what my f ancestors did in Ireland, and is set up our own courts under the nose of the British and say we don't recognize them anymore. We're, we're our own nation now. That's what we need to do here in Canada. Yeah, all you need to do is follow the two row wampum to us. That's it. Two row wampum. The two row wampum. Goshwenta. For real, yeah. We're speaking with Toge Tote and uh, Kevin Annett. And Kevin Annett, I know you're also known as Eagle Strong Voice. I was wondering uh, how how did you get that name? That was given to me by Chief Louis Daniels in Winnipeg when he adopted me into the Turtle Clan in the Anishinaabe Nation, gave me that name. He said I was to carry that name to my people because I couldn't do the work in his community, he couldn't do the work in mine, but together, walking like the two row wampum, working in each of our worlds to bring about that sovereignty and justice. So that was an authorization uh, that, that he gave me to, to do that work. Okay, and, and what... Um is going on with your tour in Canada because I know, uh, well, for, for instance, your most recent uh, press release has to do with your appearance, upcoming appearance in Hamilton. Uh, wh what's the story with that? Well, uh, what just happened was the Hamilton police uh, notified the organizers of the Mohawk College that they were going to send an undercover uh, police operative in to monitor what I said. And, you know, let's be clear, and that happens all the time, but the fact that they were notifying them was clear intimidation. Uh, and so I wrote to this uh, policeman and, and said, uh, we're telling the world about this and we want to put you on notice 
that we consider this an attempt to obstruct our investigation at the behest of your employers, the Crown of England and the Government of Canada. So people want to follow more of that. It's hiddenfromhistory.org. Very good. And, and what's your uh, site? Dahoget.de.ws. They stole everything they yeah. got. Everything. Yeah. Throughout history. So he came here after he was exiled? Yeah. Okay. Moved back here. First mayor. I didn't know he was the first mayor. Yeah, first mayor, and uh, he was exiled after that, right? Because the actual, he was first mayor. But he fled to the United States? Yeah, Pardon he fled to the United United. States, and he was uh, arrested in the United States, too. He spent time in jail. Hmm. So it wasn't just all smooth sailing. But what he actually, the first place he fled was called Navy Island, which was an island in between the U.S. and Canada, which is right near Niagara Falls, right near the falls. Yeah, okay. And uh, he was trying to establish that as his own independent territory, his own independent country. And then I guess somehow he ended up in the st- on the American side and then in a jail and... He had a pretty crazy life from the history. Judging from the history books, that's one guy that the history uh, books have been written about, William Lyon McKenzie. And the city of Toronto controls that property. And uh, next time we'll try to get uh, permission uh, next time we film there. Word up. All right, word up. Hidden from History continues. Uh, We're right here at Ryerson Campus now. We've got another uh, person that's remembered in history, uh, Eggerson Ryerson. He's got a statue here. We've got a whole university named after him. And uh, we've got Kevin Anna of Hidden from History here. Uh, Kevin Anna, have you uh, heard about Eggerson Ryerson? Yeah, the guy's a real bastard, actually. Uh, First of all, he was commissioned by the Crown to come over here to keep an eye on the, the rebellion in Lower Canada and Upper Canada. But as part of that, he initially was an ally of William Lyon Mackenzie, but then he cut off ties with him and broke ranks and started to denounce him because he was critical of the church. And uh, Ryerson was a big Methodist uh, church uh, preacher and, and official. And he eventually established the plan. He had a plan to educate the Indians. And he established the original plan for the Indian residential schools in Ontario. So this is a guy who had the, the, the master plan for how to assimilate, which is a polite way of saying wipeout, indigenous culture and uh, to name a university after I think is quite ridiculous and I think we should uh, rename the university according to some of the indigenous nations uh, one of our heroes and uh, not one of the establishments for real yeah and thanks a lot Kevin for uh, getting the information out that you've been getting out uh, what is your thoughts on uh, universities and uh, how, how, how has your work been uh, taken at, at the universities around Canada well, universities are big corporations, they're like churches, but within it there's a lot of, uh, actually I get the best response from high school and college students. Uh, a lot of groundswell of discontent and rebellion these days in universities all over the world that I go, but especially Canada. And I'm really hopeful every time to, I come to a place like this that people are going to, students can use the time they have to do the research and the organizing and the other stuff that's needed for our movement. So, thank you all. Yeah, thanks a lot. Kevin Annett, check out uh, the work, hiddenfromhistory.org, hiddennolonger.com. Word up, word out. Well, check out the event, too. Kevin Annett uh, speaking at Ryerson University. And we're back. Oh, wonderful memories. That was actually uh, 2011, early 2011. So what's that, 12 years ago now? And um, it touched on some things I wanted to flag for folks, really important. First of all, I mentioned, you know, the Republic had me formed at that point, nor had we done that first trial we did uh, that put Bergoglio on trial. Uh, No, sorry, his predecessor. They all look alike to me. Ratzinger, the first court case that found Ratzinger and the Queen of England guilty, that hadn't happened. As a matter of fact, that year, 2011, was very important. Um, 
we were, we went, one of the reasons I was in Toronto there was I was invited to Brantford by the Mohawk elders to dig at the mush hole there, the oldest death camp residential school in Canada and uh, near Brantford, Ontario. And that's where we found bones and it, you know, analyzed and proven to be that of bones of children. The Canadian media totally black it out. Then the whole thing shut down. Then the next year we do our trial, um, in the International Criminal Court in Europe that forced Ratzinger out of office and all that. So it is right at the, at the nexus of that really important development. And uh, so it's important in that way. But he also, we touched on a few other important things. We talked about the radio censorship. And one of the reasons why our history is so effectively wiped out now is the extent to which the media is totally corporatized and controlled. As you, uh, we mentioned, the Canadian government 20 years ago changed the law allowing um, the Canadian Radio and Television uh, Commission to be run by private corporate interests. You know, so it's like the private media moguls are running the supposed uh, crown corporation run by the government. In fact, it's private interests behind a mask of public company, and they they threw me out of Co-op Radio. Uh, you know, soon after that interview was done because we had just had somebody on the air on my show who saw RCMP officers take Native women to be killed at what was called Piggy's Palace in Coquitlam. And as soon as I uh, mentioned that on the air, whoosh, I was out very quick, uh, just censored immediately. So we touched on some of that. It shows you, you know, some of where this is coming from. But, of course, right literally that same month I was doing the interview, they had murdered William Coombs uh, by lethal injection, arsenic poisoning, according to his nurse, Chloe Kirker in Vancouver. So they were shutting down our witnesses big time at that point. But it didn't stop anything we're doing. We're still here. Uh, the guy who you heard with me, not um, the young guy interviewing us, but Hoka Toke, he was a Mohawk elder who was at our founding convention. And a uh, great guy, still with us. But like a lot of people, you know, operates off the radar or they're dead. Uh, like seven of our native activists were murdered over a six-year period doing this work. So we've got to be, knowing that we're in a, a war zone, we operate like a guerrilla movement, you know, not in ways that are predictable or seen, but off the radar in many ways until the odds are with us and then we surface and strike and then fade back into the night. We've got to learn how to think and act that way, all of us. So uh, the last part of the show um, is something I want to just touch briefly on the actual content of what's in the Constitution. Now, this is taken from the book, Establishing Liberty, the Case for Canada. You can get that under my name, Kevin Annett, A-N-N-E-T-T, at uh, Amazon.com. Just put in the name and you'll see that book. You can order it. It's only 10 bucks, or you can order it from us, Republic National Council, at ProtonMail.com. But in there, it lays out the vision of Canada, uh, the Proclamation of Independence that we read out, uh, and also a little bit of the Constitution, well, the kind of nation we would like to see. And, of course, that vision is hammered out locally in the different assemblies. We had people's input in putting together the Constitution. It's a completely grassroots movement. And one of the first points we make is that, look, we're a nation now. Everything that used to be Canada is now under the authority of the Republic. And it's an interesting point that, historically, the Crown of England and all of its property can be seized under Magna Carta, going back to the year 1215. If the Crown has violated and abrogated the rights of the people, we have the right to seize all Crown property. It's right there in Magna Carta, Section 61, I believe. So 
even by their rules, we can take back the whole ball of wax people, and that's what we're doing. Um, some of the points in our Constitution is that uh, in Canada, in Canada, in the Republic, voting age begins at 16, and there's no limit on who can run for office. Anyone is elected, it can be instantly recalled by majority vote. You don't have any special privileges when you're a member, not of Parliament. We do away with Parliament. We establish a national Congress, really very much in the American model of separation of powers. Uh, the const- our Constitution is modeled on two things, on the American Constitution and Declaration of Independence, and on the French Declaration of the Rights of Man. And in that system, um, law rests in the hands of the people, too. The courts are at several levels, local common law courts, established by the people, including their judges, and a national court of appeals and a Supreme Court of the Republic of Canada, but these are all elected, not appointed positions. Um, Basic principle of the Republic is that all the resources, the land, the water, the wealth of the nation, the industry, everything is put in the hands of the people as a whole. And that means that no special group or individual gets the right to own billions of dollars and own the whole ball of wax and uh, and everybody else is left out in the cold. Eight million poor people in Canada today, about 25% of the population, one and a half million of those being children, when if you took the wealth produced every year in Canada and divided it equally, we'd all get $259,000 each per year. So where is all that wealth going? You guessed it, into foreign hands, and now with the Chinese takeover, it's being pumped rapidly out of the country west, across the Pacific. And so we're putting a stop to that. One of the planks in the Constitution is that all foreign ownership is abolished, that only people born here or naturalized as citizens can own land and property. But, again, it's the, the common principle governing all that is that it's got to be in the interest of the local people as well. Um, so, for example, uh, banking system. We nullify all income tax, because there's a wealth in this country to pay, and on this whole continent, to pay for everything. We don't need to tax people's income to do it. That's a popular item, as you can imagine, and it's only just. So um, mortgage rates, debts, interest rates, all abolished. The financial power is put in the hands of the people and the local republic assemblies. And, you know, that ensures that... The most important aspect of life, our survival, is democratized. We believe in economic democracy as well as political democracy. As a matter of fact, you can't really have political democracy if you're all debt slaves and the power is resting in the hands of a few multi-billionaire oligarchs who run the government and the courts and set up the laws to their choosing. We've got to decentralize that, take back power. So we're not talking capitalism because capitalism is pretty much defunct in the age of the mega corporation. We're not talking communism, which is traditionally state ownership of everything. No. We're talking about a third way, cooperativism. And that's very much in the Canadian tradition. Uh, The whole cooperative movement out west is when the farmers and others got together and set up consumer and uh, producers' co-ops, where it was pooled collectively, so that the railway and the banks couldn't rip them all off. They had to unite their power. So we believe in a cooperative economy, where the people run it in the interest of everyone, but it doesn't do away with private ownership. As long as the the industry and everything is serving the people. So it's that cooperative economic model we believe in. 
that's some of what's in the Constitution. And the most important aspect, too, in terms of the section, and this is a big one, the separation of church and state, we permanently banish and outlaw all churches and religious organizations that had anything to do with genocide. So, for example, that immediately eliminates the Catholic, Anglican, and United Churches with the blood of generations of children on their hands. They're not allowed to operate. In fact, their property is forfeited. We occupy and seize and nationalize all their church property and wealth. We also abolish the papal nuncio of the Catholic. We nullify any diplomatic recognition of the Vatican. And churches have to pay taxes like everybody else. So that's one of our ways of countering genocide and colonialism. And, of course, we do away with all the vestiges of colonialism, uh, the Indian affairs, the crown system, uh, the puppet tribal governments that are set up, that were set up to commit genocide on their own people. That's all replaced by the, the Republic, which is a federation of equal nations. And here's the thing. Quebec, English Canada... Indigenous nations, they're all the three stars in our flag, represent our founding nations. And we set up a, kind of like the way Yugoslavia used to be, you have equal nations federated into one republic with equal representation in Congress. So indigenous nations can opt out if they like, but just like Quebec can. But what we say to them is we're stronger together because whose interest is it serving to have everyone separate and go their own way? Some people say, yeah, let's break up Alberta and have an Alberta Republic and an Ontario Republic. No, that's balkanizing the country. That means splitting them up into little pieces and then China will grab it all up quickly. They want people to split away into their own little separate factions. They do not want a united common law republic in Canada because it counters their takeover. So that's why we say we've got to be united together, indigenous, non-indigenous. We can rewrite the whole treaty system. The whole, what they call treaty now with natives, is not treaties, because treaties under international law are nation to nation on the basis of equality. Not, well, we've wiped out all your people, 90% of you, and you live under the Indian Act where you're legal slaves, but we're going to pretend to sign treaties with you with a gun to your head. That's not what a treaty is under the law. We have us first establish new equality, abolish the whole colonial system, the Indian Act, establish equality in a real way, including by putting our own people on trial for crimes against humanity. And then we establish a new deal all around for everybody. And that's the basic philosophy and constitution. So that was put together by all of us. Uh, we had interesting debates uh, all among all the different factions. Uh, not really factions, but disagreements. For example, kind of the left, if you want to use left and right, these terms, which I don't like, the kind of bipolar, uh, one-dimensional political designations. Uh, you can't lump together people by these terms anymore. But people on the left traditionally said, well, we need like a guaranteed annual income. And other people said, well, no, that means the government's paying everybody and running their lives. So we got rid of that. But we And then the the, quote, right wanted to have all gun control removed, and so in the Constitution, you'll see that one of the basic principles, like in the American Constitution, is the right to bear arms, the right to defend your family against everyone, including the government. All power can um, go down, can decentralize down to the local level. If a republic assembly sees a law that the Congress passes it doesn't like, it can pass a law to nullify it, so that we, the people in our community, generally living within the Republic, and we're not violating its principles or anything, or the Constitution of the Republic, but we want to bring in our own law. People are free to do that. So it's all in the hands of the people. 
That's the notion of a popular democracy where people govern themselves and don't sign away their authority to a few people who then rule over them for five years. That's not democracy at all. That's elite control where you ratify their decisions, the decisions of your masters every now and again. That's not democracy. So that's some of what's in establishing liberty, the case for Canada. There's also all sorts of neat things about how you wage struggle energetically. Uh, one thing we'll talk about, which we have on previous shows, but we'll talk about again, is the notion of chi. Sun Tzu in the Art of War says, if you grasp the chi of your enemy, you can defeat them no matter how powerful. And the chi is the essential energy strategy of the situation. And we showed how to do that when two dozen of us forced the truth of genocide that no one wanted to talk about. We forced that to the light of day and even forced a pseudo-apology. And everyone running around talking about the residential schools and even the Pope and Prime Minister now are, are admitting to genocide, that all happened because of two dozen of us occupying churches, striking where they're weak, striking unexpected, and never giving up, and having all the ammunition and evidence behind you. The problem is people give up too quickly, and you have to stay at things for years. You have to have this as a new lifestyle. And it's fine that we recruited 34 people today in that town, but the only way that's going to build is if you hold on to those 34 by consolidating them, teaching them, and giving them a new way of looking at it. In the 60s, we called it building a counterculture. We have a different way of thinking and acting in the world, a new society within the shell of the old, and that's really what we're all about. So that's a little bit on that. And finally, in closing, we've got about five minutes, and we're going to look close, and I wanted to mention this. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day in America. And, of course, it's being institutionalized now in the state. Everyone loves Martin Luther King, even though the government uh, killed him. Um, the very people who killed him are now lauding him. But he, uh, we're going to end on his being to the mountaintop speech. He gave it the day before he was murdered by that CIA triangulated assassination team. And... Um, being to the mountaintop speech is amazing. It's saying, look, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I've been to the mountaintop like Moses. I've looked over into the promised land, and I see we're going to get there. And that's what I, I think these days, folks. You know, uh, my vision of Canada, whenever I want to imagine what a republic is like, I remember what it was like for me as a 7-year-old and 8-year-old boy in Winnipeg, on my bike, riding out into the prairies, looking at these old homes of settlers that were still standing there. People will have died and moved on, but it was like little museums of the lives of these people, all intact. And, you know, it was like, to me, the living history among us. And the freedom I felt out there on my bike and, you know, with the barn swallows flying around, that freedom and liberty that's within all of us, that great joy, I saw that and felt that today among the people we reached. And I know that it lives within all of us. We just need to get out of our cloistered thinking Turn off the Internet. Get out among the people. That's where you see miracles happen. I, we saw it happen when we brought them down that day in the, that Catholic cathedral in Vancouver where the priests ran out the back door, and then everyone started talking about apologies to cover their ass. No, that happened through the power of the people. We were mostly homeless natives that occupied that church that day, people who you wouldn't look at twice, but they had the power to change history, just like those folks today did on that street. We just have to stay at it and never give up, and the history is on our side, and we will move mountains as we've done in the past. So that's uh, what we're going to go out on, listening to Brother Martin. And if you want to get a hold of any of the stuff we're doing, tune in here every week and tell your friends about it. And that announcement that went out today, 
go to republicofcanada.org under breaking news, there's an appeal and a call to the police, to the soldiers, to all the officials, crown officials in Canada, in Canada, saying, step down. Take that clip and show it. And we've got it in written form as well. Circulate it like that Mountie did today. And he's doing right now. They're probably reading it as we speak. Saying, come over to the side of the people. It's now time for you to do that. It's our great grassroots revolution, folks, and it's spreading everywhere. So please get on board. Write to us, Republic National Council at ProtonMail.com. Write to me personally at AngelFire101 at ProtonMail.com. And uh, it'll be a pleasure and honor to be back with you again live next week. I'm uh, looking forward to it as well because it's another anniversary. It's the 28th anniversary since I was fired by the United Church in Port Alberni that kind of opened the door to all of this. So thank you guys for cutting your own throats and uh, starting this whole process by throwing me out of my can in Port Alberni. We exposed the genocide. We're going to bring down this whole COVID corporatocracy all over the world because there's people like us in many countries who are allied with us, our indigenous allies in Canada, we're making it happen. So write to us, Republic National Council at protonmail.com, murderbydecree.com for the whole history of this movement, and republicofcanada.org. Here's Brother Martin. Stay strong. Stay clear. We love you. Get on board. We'll be back next week. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. 
So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.